Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today, as the uh, the specter of April 15th rolls around, we thought it would be a delightful topic to dive into some uh, accounting and tax discussion. Everyone's favorite topics. Everybody's favorite topic. I mean, you know, and, and if you don't like it, you, know, you can just put this on and it'll help you fall asleep. It'll be a nice sleep aid for you. <laughs> you got to fall asleep quickly, though. It's only 30 minutes. Yeah. So uh, probably worth the anytime we do dive into topics like this, it always seems like it's a good idea to have a brief disclaimer that uh, neither Marco or I are accountants, um, tax lawyers. Um, any kind uh, of lawyer, really. Any kind of any any kind of any kind of professional qualified advice. All we have we no have idea are, what we're talking about, basically. Um, but we have some experience, and I think what I'm going to hopefully I think make sense for us to emphasize isn't so much to give specific advice about this is these are the four things that you should do. Like, there's a few things that I think universally like are good advice, but more is to say. Here's the kind of questions you should be asking when you're setting up your business, when you're looking at your business and seeing if it's set up correctly. Um, these are the kinds of questions to ask. And then if you don't have a good answer for them, go and find help. Either you know, research yourself, get professional advice, however that makes sense for you. But um, these are the kinds of things you should be thinking about from the accounting and tax side of setting up a, you know, a small independent software business. Um, and my number one piece of advice that I wanted to start with is go all the way back. I mean, I've, I set up my, my, you know, my, my first like LLC, um, almost 10 years ago, I think it is. Um, and the thing that I did back then that I was very glad that I did and the advice I give to anyone starting out now is that it's very important that you understand what you're doing. Um, and if you can't, if you can't work out what you should be doing, then you need to pay someone to explain it to you. Because it's very easy to kind of just make a few guesses or, you know, read a few like articles online and then just kind of go for it. You know, like you kind of under, but if you do that, take that approach of just kind of winging it, um, you can be setting yourself up down the road for some very big problems, both in legal problems, um, financial problems. Like there's lots of things that can come out of this and what you don't want to ever do you know like i just recently got my big stack of paperwork from my accountant um so i use now you know i use a, a qualified cpa to do my books because uh, it makes it much easier um you know when when she sends that back to me i go through it and i know enough about you know all the various taxes all the various deductions and exemptions and credits and things that I can go through it and I'm, you know, I, it makes sense to me. I can read, read, read it with some competence. And that has come from I've sat down and I've read through IRS publications and documentation and things that, you know, if I was just trusting someone else to always be giving me good advice, um, I would be setting myself up, you know, for potential problems down the road. Because at the end of the day, I need to, you know, sign my name on the bottom of this document um, and, you know, send it to a government entity. And I'm affirming that everything in there is correct, that I agree with it that um, I'm okay with it. Because what you'll find in a lot of things in accounting um, and taxes, you know, sort of the interplay between them, is accountants use terms like uh, conservative versus aggressive, right? You can, there's a lot of deductions or games you can play where 
you know, you get into gray areas and it's like, it, does this really count as a business expense or does it not? And well, it depends on who you ask. And ultimately, you know, those are personal decisions that you have to make. But if you don't understand the law or you don't understand the policies, you can't be making those choices in an informed way. And your accountant might be making choices that you would disagree with that could come back to bite you. And so at the the most important thing, I think, with accounting, even though it's out of our comfort zone, even though it's not something that I think most developers um, you know, have a lot of expertise or um, talent in. Um, it's important to at least at a basic level understand what you're doing. And if you don't, you know, if, if your accountant is coming to you with some very complicated, sophisticated thing, and you don't understand it, it's probably, in my opinion, not a great idea to pursue something like that. It's like if you can't understand it, it's probably not worth doing. And like I said, if you can't understand it, if you're having difficulty wrapping things around. You know, pay for someone to explain it to you, you know, to talk to your accountant. Like I've, you know, in the, I don't do it as much now, um, but in the early days when I had an accountant, I would, you know, every, every year or every quarter when we would sit down, I asked her all kinds of questions about things. You know, what, what is this, what are we doing over here? Like, what does this deduction mean? Or, oh, well, you know, you said, um, if I, if I do this kind of thing, then I can take this other benefit or like making sure that I really understand it. Um, and I think that as in general, just good advice that getting good help, you know, finding some, a, a good accountant in terms of some of the stuff you might need a lawyer for, you know, setting up different business entities. And I mean, there's, that's a whole massive topic that, um, is so specific to your region, to your state. Like I live in Virginia, Marco, you live in New York. Like I imagine, I imagine even with state to state, some of the laws are different. So you want to find somebody who is local, who's knowledgeable, um, and ideally has some experience working with very small businesses. Yeah, and, and I would say too, like in, in the area of like making sure you understand it and, and you know, getting good advice from a professional, I would say a little goes a long way. Like you you don't need to spend a lot of money taking up a lot of someone else's time to to get a, a, a good enough understanding of this to continue operating your business or to start operating your business. Like you know, I, I've I've also been running LLCs now for uh, about ten, about ten years, something like that. And you know, it's it, at first it was very intimidating. I, I I didn't know what I was doing. It seemed like such an, a big deal to quote start your own business, and that sounded that seemed like an impossible thing that only other people do. That that's not the kind of thing I do. I I'm just a person. I don't know how to do that. Other people do that, I guess. Um, and it only took you know a, a sitting down with a lawyer for like one hour, who I haven't seen in ten years. And so like it was like one meeting with a lawyer to be like, how do I do this? And then he 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 gave me an accountant that he worked with. And now I, I go to that accountant a few times a year um, and I've asked a couple of questions here and there. But for the most part, if you set it up in in certain ways, um, like like in the U.S., like, if, for example, if you do like a basic pass through LLC, which is probably what most developers would do or would be advised to do, um, rather than, you know, various corporation forms, it's really easy. You don't have to do that much. Uh, and it's you basically get to just go back to doing your business as long as you follow a few very simple guidelines. And we're going to go through what some of those are. Again, you should definitely talk to somebody who has the authority to tell you this, not us. I think we will simply serve as pointers for like, here's the types of things you should be thinking about and the types of things that you should ask your accountant slash lawyer about. Uh, but it really is, a, if, if you make it so, it is really a lot easier than you might think. If, if, you, if you've never set up a business entity or bank account or business accounting before, it can be very easy. And you 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 probably won't have to 
be constantly meeting with lawyers and accountants and burning all that money to do that, it's probably a lot simpler than you think. Yeah, and I think too, it's probably worth saying in the in the way that we also talk often on the show about structuring your products or structuring the you know the apps or the businesses that you pursue to minimize the amount of. Uh, inputs that you have to put into them and the amount of maintenance they take and you know that type of a topic that if you're a small developer you don't have you know your resources are not in terms of time is not something that you have a lot of it's in the same way i think in this sense that it is important to structure things proactively at the beginning to take less maintenance um, and when you're talking to say you go to see a lawyer to help you set up your business in the first place it's like being upfront about that is probably something that is worth being explicit and saying you know what because they're going to ask you all kinds of crazy questions about well if you set it up in this particular way you know if you're a um, an S corp taxes a C corporation or you, know, you get this benefit because then you can have this thing and it's like one of the if one of the biggest things that they're optimizing for is your time they're going to probably you know steer you in a different way and you may potentially be giving up on some you know some, some theoretical deduction or some benefit that you may have theoretically but in my you know in practice i think you're going to enjoy your life a lot more with a business that is designed to optimize for you know the lowest maintenance possible and so having something you know that basically you know, my business entity's maintenance is I think I write a check to the state corporation commission every for $50 once a year. And like, that is the extent of the paperwork that I have to do, you know, there's no board meetings I have to run or all this kind of stuff that you can sometimes have to get into because I chose the approach that was minimizing the amount of time and maintenance going forward. And so when you're getting a setup, when you're getting advice, be sure that you're explicit about that um, if that's important to you. If you want to just go crazy and you know optimize for every possible deduction or benefit that you might get, like great, that's you know by all means go crazy. But um, it may mean that you're doing all this busy work down the road that isn't core to your business, that isn't isn't actually the thing that you want to be doing. Right. I, I think that I think those kind of strategies of like taking every possible deduction and having a more complicated corporate structure and you know to get certain rates lower and everything else. I think that makes more sense the bigger of a company you are because the overhead of doing that as you as you're a bigger and bigger company with more and more people involved the overhead in doing that becomes you know a smaller percentage of your total time output that you have and also I think it matters more if you're in a really low margin business where saving all like saving every possible penny in tax liability and stuff can have a major impact on whether your business is profitable or not and how much it's profitable but for individual software developers, that's almost never the case. Both of those are usually not true. Usually it's just you or maybe you and a partner or two. It's usually a very small group of people. And also, you usually have a pretty large profit margin. Like e- either you're making it or you're not. And if you're not, you know, the, the extra like 15% from a tax change might not help you. And if you are making it, you're, you probably have more room to play with in, in, the, in the profit margin. So like, optimizing for your time as you said david like you know optimizing for have, needing as little from you as possible keeping things as simple from you as possible so that you can actually spend your time improving your products and making more money is usually the better trade-off for most small developers yeah and so i think probably the next place that it works makes sense to dive into is a little bit of just some high level advice things that i know have been very helpful for me from an accounting perspective um 
And the first one, and this is, I think, the most universally accepted, like, good advice for starting a business is that your business needs to have separate accounts uh, from your personal accounts. Yes. Like, if you do nothing else, like, that will almost, like, that solves, like, half the problems in accounting. Oh, at least. Um, that's, yeah. like, that's, like, 90% of what you have to do. <laughs> that's, yeah. Just have separate accounts. Yeah. And so I think for most for most from for most kind of businesses like ours, it means you'll probably need to end you'll need to need to set up a checking account and a credit card um, are probably the two things that you'll kind of need to have set up. I don't even do that. I just do a debit card. Like I just like the the account the account comes with a debit card from the bank. I just use that and charge everything to that because again, it's like trying to keep things as simple as possible. I don't even want to worry about like a business credit card that I have to you know set up some kind of new auto pay thing. It's like no, just just use the debit card. Like. Again, over time, if I was a big company, maybe getting the extra 1% of benefit from having a credit card with some kind of reward system might pay off. But at my scale, it doesn't make sense to make things that complicated. Perfect. Yeah, that's even that's even simpler. Um, so you just need to create an account. And the main reason why you want to create that account is because then your bookkeeping, which is like one of these big, I remember when I was starting out, it was like this big scary term for like, what does that mean? And I need to need like double entry accounting and do I need to balance my checkbook and all these things that I don't do in my own uh, like personal finances very much. It's like becomes incredibly straightforward because essentially all I'm doing each month, you know, it's like all of them, all of the income or all of the credits to that account and all of my expenses are all of the debits from my, that account. Mm hmm. And that is my books. Like the statement I get from my bank each, uh, you know, each month, that is essentially my books. And I take that data and it goes into uh, QuickBooks Online is the, the service that I use because that's what my accountant likes. But it'll ultimately find its way in, into there for like actually actual accounting side of things. But it makes everything really straightforward. If all of the money that comes in to the business is going through that account and all the money that's coming out, you know, all of your business expenses are coming out of there. And if you're not doing this, like you're just asking for trouble. I mean, you're asking to be audited. And when you are audited, that all of a sudden everything um, becomes super problematic. And I'll have a link in the show notes to there's a great episode of the Free Agents podcast, um, which is another show here on Relay FM talking about sort of starting up new businesses. And they were, had an interview with uh, Andrew Carroll, who's a CPA. And he, this was his like number one advice was you absolutely have to have separate accounts. And he says that I remember him saying that the biggest benefit of it is, is it changes the dynamic if you're ever audited. I mean, and hopefully you're never audited, but it's like suddenly all of your, if you're running any amount of business stuff through your personal accounts, suddenly you now you have to justify every single one of those expenses that made to prove that they're not personal because they're intermixed with all your personal things. Whereas if your accounts are super clean and it's just all these very basic, obvious things, then it sort of it changes it. And the IRS or the you know whoever's auditing you, they then sort of in a different way need to prove that that's a personal expense. Like it changes the burden of proof a little bit in a good way. And like it's in a very, it both makes your life easier. It makes you better in that regard. And so number one thing, if you're starting a business, it needs to have its own business account. And it's very straightforward and lightweight, typically. Um, I mean, I remember, it's been a long time since I set up my business account. But I, I basically, you know, once I went through the part of forming the business and, you know, got my LLC number and my tax identification number, it was basically just a question of going into the bank that I chose, um, which for convenience is this, you know, the same bank that I bank at personally. And I just like created a free basic business account. Like it's just a checking account. It doesn't do any, you know, there's no there's something fancy about it and it was just you know filling in a few forms and now i have a checkbook with you know my business's name on it and i can go from there 
I've, I've done this so many times that now whenever I walk into my bank branch, the account manager is like, hey, start a new business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing, but <laughs> yeah, right. No, I mean, like, and I would also say, too, like, you know, regarding like your you know, like accounts and personal versus business. You know, w- regarding what we said earlier about keeping things simple, one of the one of my philosophies I've operated on for the entire time I've been running business accounts is, I if if there's any question about whether something is business or personal or whether it's mostly business, because like you know the IRS has all sorts of guidelines and requirements on like what qualifies for a business deduction, and if it's something that is for both business and personal use, or if it's mixed, like if you went on a vacation and you happen to talk business with one person while you were there, like that's a part business trip or something. But my philosophy is always, if there's any ambiguity about whether something is business or personal, just charge it personally and don't deduct it from the business. And again, this is one of those areas where I could very easily take more deductions and keep more money from, from being taxed. But that would then increase my my risk at audit time, and it would also increase the complexity if I ever got audited. And so the, the way I do it now, where I don't deduct every possible thing I could, because that's just complicated, and, and things like you know a home office deduction, I don't deduct that either, because the office is, a, is mixed use. Home office deductions are historically known to be massive audit red flags, because so many people cheat them, you know, cheat their taxes, or don't follow all the rules by using home office deductions. Same thing with like, you know, vehicle deductions, like, you know, I'm a software developer, I don't need to drive anywhere. So like, there's there's all sorts of like things that that a lot of people try to do if they're trying to max out every deduction, but that puts you at a higher risk. And I don't want to live my life in fear of an audit. I know because of the way I do things that if I ever get audited, I have nothing to hide. I'm not I'm not scared of anything. I'm not ashamed of anything. I'm not there's nothing that I hope they don't find. Or that would even be vague as to whether it should be deducted or not. As far as I'm concerned, it's like this is this is incredibly clean and like and you know there are just certain things that I don't bother. Things like you know if I go out if I go out, if I go out to lunch with somebody to talk business, I don't deduct that. If I take the train to the city to get a meeting, I don't deduct that because it's like I'm going to save like four bucks because of deducting that and at the risk of what and at the complexity of what. And so by doing it the way I do it, the business account has so few transactions really. Like there's there are so few actual expenses charged to my business it's basically like you know linode hosting bills every month and and occasionally like you know a domain renewal or an ad i bought somewhere or something like that but for the most part i have so few transactions that everything else becomes easier and cheaper so accounting is really simple i don't pay a bookkeeper i don't have bookkeeping services i too use quickbooks online which is terrible but it doesn't matter. It's what everyone uses and it's what the accountants know. And all I do is my accountant doesn't even need to log into my account. I just I, I just export the uh, the reports of the profit and loss statement and give that to him when he has to file taxes. I go in a few times a year and go through all the imported transactions that are automatically imported from my business bank account and just classify them. Just, all right, this is this, this is this. You know. And that's all I have to do. So I'm saving tons of money and time and stress by keeping things this simple that I think make up for any possible smaller deduction that I, that I'm missing by doing this this way. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's, I remember when I was first getting started, there was, it's easy to kind of have this feeling that like a business deduction is like, it's like, it makes the, it makes things free. 
or whatever. Like I remember I kind of would have that perspective. Oh, it's like, well, it's, it's a business expense. And it's like, it's like, well, sort of it's you're, you save the, whatever, like the, whatever your marginal tax rate is on those dollars, which is, you know, so at best you're maybe like having a lower, ta- lowering your tax bill by a third uh, or a third of the value. And so, you know, it's, and relatively, like you're saying, with like small expenses, which are the ones that tend to be most questionable, like your a train ticket, right? You, 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 you buy a, a ten dollar train ticket. You're saving three dollars if that's a business expense. Say, I'm like, fair enough. That's three dollars in your pocket. Like, I'm not saying that's that's not valuable, but it is not. It's it's not that the entire trip became free. Like, you're still paying for the whole trip. Um, and so, having that pr- my mindset, I think, is it definitely makes a lot of sense that. Um, and also probably it's fair to say that you, anything that you do, any deductions that you do take, you then will need to pr- have the means to justify them later um, and have a record of that. You know, so for things like Linode bills, like that's easy. I have, you know, a folder in my email that just has all the, you know, all the Linode bills I've ever gotten. So if I ever need to justify it, um, that's a lot easier than, you know, if you are trying to keep, um, you know, pictures or scans of every receipt for every little thing that you ever did. Um, that becomes a much more complicated thing. And, you know, like I said, this is very much just a personal choice. If you like that kind of thing and you want to push every little thing, go for it. If you want to do something simpler, like that works works too. And it's just that balance of your time uh, versus the money probably. Yeah, because a- a- anytime you take all those deductions and, and make the, and, and basically add more to your system, you need supporting costs around that. You need a way to you know save these receipts and track them. You need possibly more bookkeeping expense. You need possibly down the road more time if you ever get audited. You know, like the the, the amount that you're going to have to pay somebody to go through all this stuff, you might actually wipe out all the savings you had in the meantime if, if these are all small deductions. Like it, it, you you have to account for the costs of even tracking this stuff and taking the risks on some of these kind of questionable ones. So for me, it's just, it's very simple. I just keep everything very simple. I don't, you know, I pay more in tax than I need to technically, but I consider that trade-off worth it for what I'm getting out of it. Anyway, we are sponsored this week by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Their seafood is sourced sustainably. They, they, their farms, like they have all these great farms they, support, they source all their ingredients from. Their beef, chicken, and, and pork come from responsibly raised animals. And their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. Each Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. I've used Blue Apron myself here at home with, with my wife for, oh, geez, a year and a half or something like that now, even before they were a sponsor of any of our shows. And we just love it so much. I, I love being forced to cook this often. It's just wonderful because I've learned so much. We've both become such better cooks, and we try all sorts of crazy new things that we that we either previously didn't think we'd like or had never even heard of. And we've discovered so many new foods that we just love. So some of the some of the meals this week include sweet and sour salmon with bok choy and ginger fried rice, baby broccoli and fontina paninis with hard boiled egg and arugula salad, and lemongrass and ginger turkey burgers with marinated radishes and roasted sweet potatoes. Tell you what, marinated radishes. Before Blue Apron, I would never have eaten that. That would sound crazy to me. They're really good and super easy to make. So now I know how to use crazy things like radishes. Anyway, 
Blue Apron delivers to most of the continental U.S. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. You can always pause or cancel or suspend service at any time if you don't have time that week or if you're going to be out of town or whatever else. Very, very simple. And they guarantee that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. So check out this week's menu and you will get three free meals with your purchase. This is free food, including free shipping. Three free meals by checking out this week's menu by going to blueapron.com slash radar. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash radar. And thank you very much to Blue Apron for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So the last area that it seemed like probably worth winding up our discussion on is just a little bit about the actual, like actually the tax side of these things. You know, the not so fun part where you write a check um, to the government. Though in some ways I always do kind of like when I have to write a big check, it means that I had a good year. So um, it, it, it has a, a slight uh, upside to it. But the thing that I was trying to think about in terms of like basic advice for um, for taxes, and I think the biggest thing um, that I've learned is the importance of planning for taxes um, ahead of time, that it shouldn't be something that you get to the end of the year and suddenly you're trying to work out what your tax bill is going to be. Um, that, you know, I check in on my sales about once a week. You know, I go through and I have my big crazy spreadsheets we've talked about before where I'm looking at my income and kind of getting a sense. And on about a monthly basis, I'm kind of doing base overall kind of how the business is going. And on a quarterly basis, I do like a proper analysis of it. Um, and that's sort of where I'm going. And while I'm doing that, I'm, one of the things that I'm always looking for is you know, how is the business going and how is this going to affect my tax bill? Um, there's a bunch of th- reasons for this in terms of like, you know, you have things like estimated taxes that you may have to, you know, do um, to make sure because the government wants to, doesn't, doesn't want all your money just at once. They want it throughout the year. So either you're doing payroll withholding or estimated taxes. Um, but most importantly, I think is this, the reality of, you know, it's easy in some ways when you're, when you're running a business that you, you have this money in your bank account and in your personal life, typically, you know, when you have money in your bank account, that's yours and you can spend it. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it isn't beholden to someone else um, because all your taxes were, you know, were taken out of your paycheck before it got there. Uh, but when you're a business, like there is often, you know, non-substantial amounts of money in my business checking account that is essentially, you know, earmarked to go off to the IRS one day. And exactly when it goes that there's, you know, a whole discussion about the way in which you you do your you pay your taxes but it was just the importance of thinking about that ahead of time yeah that you know when you it's like hey wow this is awesome i landed a consulting you know client they're going to pay me ten thousand dollars it's at that very moment it's important to keep in the back of your mind they didn't pay you ten thousand dollars you know maybe they paid you seven thousand (laughs) dollars or they paid you sixty five hundred dollars or whatever it is and take that you know take that money out that you are going to have to pay to the irs or to whatever your local you know if you're listening to this outside of the united states whatever your local you know tax entity is because i'm sure somebody's going to be coming and taking a chunk of that um, and if you think about it that way from the beginning, um, it makes it a lot easier rather than kind of getting to the end of the year and being like, oh, man, wow, this is awkward. Like, I have this huge bill that I wasn't expecting um, or I was, wasn't aware of. And now I have to now I have to deal with it. Um, that's just going to be a recipe for pain. Exactly. And because, yeah, I think the same thing, like when, when when a big chunk of money comes in, like like every month when the Apple uh, deposit comes in for mass store earnings, I just I just think of that as like, OK, well, about 40 percent of that's not mine. Like this, the, here's all this money. I'm temporarily, it's temporarily in my bank account, but this isn't all mine. 
And so one thing I, I did, I've done for years actually, and it's changed a couple times here and there, but for the most part, I, I've done this very, very successfully. Is that you, you know, in the U.S., you have to pay uh, estimated quarterly taxes, and then, or you know, and then you get this this big kind of settlement at the end of the year every April, and everyone's like, "Oh no, my taxes! I'm surprised by this." Uh, but one thing I, I I did for a long time with great success is paying estimated taxes every month. Because you can pay more and more often than than they require you to. There's no downside except that the money is you know not working for you, earning interest in your account. But interest rates suck these days, so you know you're not losing much. So like it actually made things very simple for me to basically just estimate you know kind of a high amount of what I of you know like you know look up look at your tax rate, and you can say all right, well you know I'll, I'll give like you know. 35% of this or whatever to the federal government and, you know, way too much of it to New York State. And then, and then uh, you know, every time that monthly big deposit from Apple would come in, I'd do my estimated taxes for them. All right, well, you know, here's, you know, 9% or whatever to New York and 35% to, to the federal government. And then at the end of the year, you know, often I, w- I would have overpaid, uh, but it was, you know, you'd rather have that error than the error of, oh, crap, I owe them 50 grand, you know, or something, like, something crazy like that. Um, and, it, you know, again, this is one of those areas where it's not the most tax efficient way or money efficient way to operate, but it is really simple. And it's not that far off. Like, you know, you're not saving that much money by not doing things like that. Um, and, and it keeps things not only not only, you know, safe from from the point of view of like the law and audits and stuff, but it keeps things lightweight for your mind you you know that you that you're not going to have a big surprise down the road you know that you're covered you know that whatever money is left over after you've done this kind of system you know that this is pretty safely yours uh and it it just makes things easier to get out of your mind so you can focus on what you actually want to do which is definitely not taxes yeah and i think it's it's the it's the best point there is the less you can think about this stuff, the better. And so having a system in place that does that is going to be best. You know, in the same way that if you're coming from a nine to five W2 job or where you, you, know, you just get a regular paycheck every month, like all of this work has been done for you, essentially. Like this has all been taken care of. And so now that this is your responsibility, it's just it works out really well in your favor to just say, I'm going to simplify this. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to make it nice and legal and make sure I understand everything. And if you do that, you know, then this can just be one of these boxes you've checked and you can just move on to the actual fun stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.